welcome to Rethink, the podcast that explores the people and products shaping innovation and those designing for resilience. Hosted by Philip Beer. The topic today is adaptability of space or future proofing. Our guest is Bruce Thompson. He, along with his wife Brenda, is founder of Urbaneer. Bruce says the technology and innovation of Urbaneer allows people to use less simplify their lives, reduce environmental impact, all while improving quality of life. Bruce, welcome. If you could please provide more info about you and your company. Hi, my name is Bruce Thompson. Great to be here today. I'm the CEO of Urbaneer, and my background uh, is in the technology industry, and I bring a very innovative approach to the housing industry, which we're involved in today. And Urban Air is focused on compact living. And a lot of what we're doing today was really born out of personal experiences living in Europe and more recently uh, in an 800 square foot footprint home in West Michigan. And the whole mission of Urban Air is really to bring freedom to people and in terms of you know looking at the changing landscape of how and where we live and bringing new approaches to housing. and looking at compact spaces, not just about shrinking footprints, but how do we think differently and reimagine spaces that, so people can live larger and live increasingly in density with dignity. And Bruce, you talk about flexible space and how you make a smaller space feel larger. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Urban Air and how you make smaller spaces feel more livable, larger? Sure. Well, I think the first thing to start with, our approach to smaller living spaces is really around the occupant experience. And again, based on my technology experience, anytime that we looked at tech, it was always through the eyes, the lens, if you will, of a user, right? Uh, an end user, we think of personas. So when we first started and we launched Urban Year six years ago, um, one of the first things we did is we taped off a 400 square foot apartment. And we just started to think about what do people do on a daily basis? And we really came down to five living modes, if you will. Uh, and we reimagined we imagine those five living modes in this 400 square feet. And those five modes are, well, I, I need to cook, right? I need to eat. Those are basic things. I'm going to dine. So cooking and dining. Certainly working at home. Everybody now tends to work or shop. And so we need spaces for that, you know, computer display time. Um, but I might want to entertain, bring people over and uh, use the, occupy the space. And then I certainly am going to sleep. There might be other things, exercise, workout, things like that. But those five living modes, we really started with that as kind of the core tenets and premise. And then we started to think about, okay, in those 400 square feet, how do I create and add the flexibility and the multi-purpose uh, features to allow those five things to be done at different times? Um, you know, in that in that space. And that's where the idea came the, to look at movable walls with a wall table and wall beds and things that can come and go. Storage, you know, where do I store things? That's probably the number one uh, request we hear from people in a small living space. So it, it was born from that. And in, in, in our location in West Michigan gave us great proximity to a value chain that grew up around the office furniture industry. And then we're not too far away from Elkhart, Indiana, which is the home of the RV industry. So those two industries, again, that value chain of you know, motion mechanisms, how do you deliver power in a flexible way? Uh, and then the resources to help you know, from the design perspective and the engineering 
and then ultimately to get those things produced. So that's a little bit of our background. And your background also is in technology and innovation. Where, where do both fit into smaller spaces? Well, we need to think differently, right? We need to challenge ourselves. And I think, you know, looking at the housing industry, uh, as McKinsey reported a few years ago, it's one of the least innovative industry or construction, more broadly speaking, least innovative in the world. Really, we haven't seen big breakthroughs in 60 years um, yet. We're seeing, you know, the forces of, you know, housing prices uh, rising. So there's a great economic need. We're seeing, you know, social change, right? People wanting to live in more of an urban environment, uh, living in a different way. You know, I think experience is, is more prized now than in the past. It's more of a status symbol, experience versus possessions. Uh, and then I think certainly, you know, technology is, is changing um, it, it's more of an interface. It's access to things versus, you know, asset ownership. And so I think all of those things come into play with my tech background, then we can start to ask questions and we can challenge assumptions. And I think that is the real critical part because so much of the, the housing industry is based on assumptions. We believe, or our point of view is that we're in this once in a century shift to how and where people live. And we can go back 100 years ago to the 1920s, and we saw the rise of electricity and the automobile and other innovation coming into the home. Well, that set in motion a pattern of about almost 80 years uh, in the built environment. And now, again, we're seeing, you know, we're on the verge of, you know, drone de delivery, right? We're seeing um, autonomous vehicles. We're seeing robotics, all of these things that are really driven uh, by software. And there was a great quote by Mark Andreessen a few years back, a few years ago, that software is going to ultimately eat the world, right? It, it is the driver now of change, just like 100 years ago, it was electricity. Um, but so often that innovation is applied to an old model. So we, th we think a lot about, you know, how do we change that model of uh, collaboration in the industry? We need to look at different financing. We need to look, you're certainly seeing zoning reform happen across the country. So it's an interesting time. I think we have an interesting, or myself personally, interesting perspective to bring. Um, and it's all about challenging the assumptions to drive change to help provide more housing options. And you talk about the occupant experience in the five living modes of cooking, eating, working, entertaining, sleeping. And then you also say that there's these assumptions around housing that are just wrong. And it makes me think when you go into homes, you see the dining room was hardly ever used. Um, if ever. Um, what are some assumptions that you were thinking of in housing that are actually wrong? Well, I think certainly um, to, to start, I think we need to challenge how much space people really, really need. I know when we were building a home 12 years ago, uh, and a lot of what I talk about, by the way, is my own personal experience, because that's what we have to draw from. Um, but when we were building a home, we read something that uh, the average American home, each individual needs a thousand square feet. Think about that, you know, in, in, as it relates to the rest of the world. And I've seen charts. We've probably all seen them, how much space per person occupant um, as we compare to other countries. But to imagine that 15, 12, 15 years ago, that was kind of the way that the world was going. And then we saw home sizes peak and, and it's gone down the last four or five years. So I think the first assumption certainly is, you know, um, how much how much space do people need? And, and kind of an offshoot of that is how many bedrooms should the average home have? And, and you're seeing builders still build large homes for a variety of reasons. Um, but all the statistics show that, you know, the, the, the one in five households now is single. One in five 
um, is, you know, over the age of, I think it's, it's 60 at this point. So again, you know, people don't have as many children. Um, we don't need as much space. We need to challenge uh, certainly that. I think secondly, we really need to change is challenge maybe this notion of home ownership. Um, and maybe there's a new, a new American dream evolving uh, out there emerging. And as you travel the world, um, certainly things like mortgage deduction, uh, you know, it, low down payment, those things just don't exist. We lived in Germany uh, in the late 90s and talking to the landlord there where we rented a home, it was a 50% down payment. Um, and this notion that you could deduct mortgage interest was was not on anybody's um, radar or part of the equation. So, you know, I think there's, there's financing uh, assumptions that need to be challenged. Um, zoning, certainly... You know, I mentioned earlier, we're seeing a lot of changes around single family or challenges to single family zoning around the country. Minneapolis, you know, the state of Oregon, right? We're seeing it being challenging in California. Um, I think this notion of there's there's an old mindset that needs to be changed about, you know, what is uh, the typical household? What do they really need? Uh, and what is, you know, what, what surrounds that from a financing and that could break down financing to appraisal and all sorts of things uh, that are barriers today. But those are kind of the things that come to mind. Ultimately, the real test is market demand and what how people are responding. And can you share with, with us some of those stories that are encouraging to say that, in fact, uh, there is a shift and people do want this product. And before answering that, can you tell us just that, a little bit more about the product we're describing. Is it 400 square feet? Is it larger? Uh, and then what the market response is. Yeah, you know, some of the market data that I've seen recently is, you know, 30, 30% of millennials and maybe a little higher baby boomers um, are looking towards a product that's under 1800 square feet. And, um, you know, we've probably all seen the stats that, you know, we peaked at peak, peak housing was 2,700 square feet. It's coming down, maybe it's 2,400, 2,500 at this point. Um, and, and so, you know, the market data, I think, reflects that, that people are looking for a more compact product. I don't think there's a one size that fits all. I think, you know, situations are different. Um, I'd really like to, jumping ahead, uh, try to create a product that can be expanded and evolved over time. So as, as needs shift, um, but that's a little bit futuristic, uh, meaning the, the, the footprint of the home. Um, but the best research the, the, that I can point to, uh, and we've done 400 units to date as a company, so we've done a fair number of, of spaces from 285 square feet to, you know, 800 square feet. Um, but the home that we live in serves as really a living lab for both uh, Urbaneer and, and, and others. And we've been in it for two and a half years, and it's an 800 square foot footprint uh, with some space upstairs and space downstairs. But we have four bedrooms, and we achieve that. Two are very flexible in the main floor. Um, and the one up and down are, are fixed. But the best um, thing that I can share is, is our peer group, we're baby boomers. Uh, people come to visit us, and one of the first things that they say is, I could live like this if, and here are the ifs. I want walkability because so often um, our peer group is coming from a suburb, suburban experience. They want the walkability. Second thing is we're finding in a more compact space fit and finish and how things work together as a system are so critical because in a larger home, you tend to go from space to space and you know, you typically the average person kind of forgets the space that they just came out of, they go into the next space 
And those, those rooms don't have to work together. But if you're moving a wall to change from the bedroom to a dining room, we have to think very differently about that. And so it's, it's certainly the fit and finish, the systems, and then that flexibility piece are, I think, what people are really looking for uh, in a home today that, that's compact. Uh, Bruce, as we head to the tail end of this interview, any final thoughts to share with those listening? I think we need to really challenge uh, to provide more. We need to work towards more solutions for missing middle housing. That's really, you know, every day I think our challenge at Urban Air and my personal mission, along with my wife, Brenda, who's the co-founder and interior designer, is how can we create better housing uh, for the middle part of the population strata that really wants uh, good quality. They want healthy homes. They want to be in a good location, but there's just not, not enough product out there for them today. And I don't care if we're in West Michigan in a small town or on the West Coast. Uh, the stories we hear the same are, are the same that are out there. there. There are affordable housing options, and we need more of those. And there certainly are options at the higher end. But I challenge all of us to really work to provide better, innovative solutions for the missing middle. One final thing. What book do you gift to others the most? How Buildings Learn by Stuart Brand. It was published maybe in 1994 or five. It's a fascinating book uh, that really talks about um, buildings and how they evolve. The good buildings uh, evolve over time and uh, can be adapted to different uses. It's a book that I go back to regularly and uh, recommend and, and do give as, as a gift to people to really uh, challenge our thinking. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rethink. Find a complete library of past episodes at iTunes or wherever you're listening to this.